0: Uh, so Hebrews, uh, if you were here a couple months ago, I just mentioned that Hebrews is really uh, one letter, one book, but it's broken out into two different sections. Uh, section one uh, was really Hebrews chapter one through the middle of uh, chapter 10. Uh, and then we're going to begin uh, over the next four to five weeks, walking through uh, the second part of Hebrews, uh, cha- or uh, the second part of Hebrews. And as I've been thinking about, how do you possibly summarize Uh, 10 chapters of a letter, 10 chapters of a book, um, the best summary statement that I could come up with for our time so far in Hebrews was just simply this, Jesus is greater than everything. Jesus is greater uh, than everything. Um, Again, if you're new to the series, uh, what the author of Hebrews who, who wrote this letter to the community in Hebrews What he's wanting them to see, what he's wanting them to know, what he's wanting them to understand, what he's wanting them to believe is that Jesus, the Son of God, the Redeemer, the Messiah, uh, the the Son of God, our great eternal high priest, he is greater than anything that we could ever look to to be made right with God. Uh, Now again, in the first century, if you were to interview the people back then and say, hey, how does one have a relationship with God? How does one actually get right with God? They just would have said things like, Well, Moses, they would have said things like, you know, observing, paying attention to the law. They would have talked about priests and the role that they play. They would have talked about sacrifices that need to be made. But what the author in the part one of Hebrews is trying to help them understand is there's only one way to know God, only one way to be made right with God, only one way to have a relationship with God. And it's not through Moses, it's not through the law, it's not through the priest, it's not through the sacrificial system uh, as they understood in the Old Testament, it's Jesus. Because Jesus is greater than everything. Uh, N.T. Wright uh, is a pastor, theologian, author, commentator. And he just, he said it very well when he said, once you see who the son really is, and that's what Hebrews is trying to help us understand who the son is. He said, once you see who the son really is and the role he was always intended to play in God's plan, you won't want to go back to anything or anyone else. And that's been my heart for us as we've been walking through uh, this letter of Hebrews is that once we've seen Jesus, once we've come to know and understand Faith, believe in Jesus, everything else just kind of pales in comparison. Uh, That we wouldn't turn to other things uh, like our works, our performance, our spirituality, our religiosity, or our performance. Uh, We would see, man, in light of Jesus, in view of Jesus, and all that He's done, there is no one or nothing greater than Him. so the, the question that we're going to at least raise today and begin to answer today and over the next few weeks, the question that's going to kind of carry us through part two is, well, what do we do with this? If part one was helping everyone to see that no one or nothing is greater than Jesus, to be made right with God, uh, and if I'm one who's placed my faith in Jesus, I believe in Jesus as the Son, the Savior, the Redeemer, uh, then what does my life look like? Like, moving forward, how do I live my life in light of one who says, I, I believe that Jesus is greater than everything. He's greater than my best performance. He's greater than religion. He's greater than all that. What does my life actually look like today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? How does one actually live their life in light of all that Jesus has done for us? So that's the question we're going to be ask, uh, answering today and in the coming weeks. Uh, And before I even begin to answer, unpack this, the one thing that I really wanted you to catch, or at least my focus is going to be, our focus will be on being, not doing. Focus will be on being, meaning being, who we are, not doing. Uh, Because it would be very easy to ask the question, well, what's next? What do I do? And we ask that question and our thought is, well, give me the list of to-dos. Uh, tell me I'm supposed to read my Bible. Tell me I'm supposed to pray. Tell me I'm supposed to go to church. Tell me I'm supposed to serve. Tell me to, to, the to-do list, and then my focus will be on that to-do list rather than being who God has called us to be uh, and living our lives in light of that. So today is not going to be a to-do list. I'm not going to give you a list of things that you can do in order to live your life in, in, in view of all that Jesus has done. The focus is primarily going to be on being. I wrote it down in my journal like this, Jesus sets us free, Jesus sets us free from doing by what he's done so that we might live being who God created us to be. Jesus sets us free from being, doing things in order that we might be who God's called us to be. Because in my mind, it would be a tragedy uh, to be rescued from a life of doing in order to get to God only to have the new mindset of, I have to continue, I have to do something now to stay with God. Um, And so it's not about doing, it is about being. He sets us free from the mentality of doing for God to being with God. If you have a Bible, I'm in Hebrews chapter 10. Just gonna read a few verses, uh, starting in verse 19. We'll be on the screen as well. It says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, and so, okay, that's another word for therefore, Therefore, or and so, in light of everything that we've just talked about in chapters 1 through 10, uh, in light of everything that you now know in chapters 1 through 10, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have the great High Priest who rules over the house of, over god's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been uh, sprinkled with christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. I wanted you to to hear just in those few verses the one thing that will change absolutely everything for you. And this is not me exaggerating. Uh, this is what that, these few verses say to us is, we've been given continual access to be in God's presence. If you want to know what changes you, what changes your life, this is it right here. We've been given continual access to be in God's presence. Just want you to sit with that for a second. And my mind, just to be honest with you, I can't even comprehend fully, just in part, that the gift that God has given to us because of what Christ has done is that I can be in the presence of God no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, or no matter what I'm not doing, no matter whether I'm at work, at home, in my neighborhood, doesn't matter. I can continually have unhindered access to the presence of God. Listen to these few verses again, just, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and a life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And then here's the the invitation. So let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Okay, so would be helpful to remember that prior to Jesus coming, prior to Jesus showing up, there was only one person once a year that could actually have access uh, to be in the presence of God. And it would be a priest once a year who would be able to go into the most holy of holy of holy places uh, where the presence of God dwelled. Only one person, one time a year. But what the author of Hebrews is now telling us is That curtain that kept a divide between God and man and man experiencing the presence of God has been completely torn down and because of faith in Christ, you can have complete, unhindered access, full access, not partial access, but full access to the presence of God. That should just blow our minds that no matter where you are, what you're doing, you can be living, experiencing the presence of God. So there is no such thing as a mundane moment if you are a Christian because every moment you can encounter, experience and just be embraced by the full presence, unhindered presence of God. Here's the beautiful thing about, scratch the surface here, of what it means to be in the full presence of God. You would never hear God ever say to you as you come to him, I don't have time for you. You would never hear God tell you that. As you're seeking, I want to, experience, encounter, know, live in the presence of God. You would never hear God say to you, I don't have time for you. You would never hear God say something to you that says, you kidding me? You are so messed up. Why don't you go get yourself cleaned up? Why don't you start acting and performing in a certain way? And then when you finally start doing that, then we can have another conversation. You would never hear God say, are you kidding me? You think you can be in my presence? You would never hear God say to you, Really? You again? Didn't I see you last week? Didn't I see you last month? Didn't I see you last year? You never hear God say any of those things to you because the gift of what Christ has done is, God says, I want you to know, to walk, to live, to experience my presence in every moment of every single day. Here's a question for you. Do you have someone in your life that just when you're around them, it's like walking on eggshells. You're just kind of nervous that if you say something a certain way, uh, or if you do something a certain way, they might be sensitive or temperamental, and you're like, gosh, if I just say something or give that a a look, they're gonna blow up and freak out on me, and then it's just, and it's just constantly walking on eggshells. Do you know that in the presence of God, the invitation says this, you come boldly into the presence of God. You don't have to walk on eggshells with God. The invitation because of faith in Christ is, come boldly into his presence. Not arrogantly, it's not like, well, sweet. I, I can do, God can do whatever I tell him to do because I'm in his presence and he's gonna listen to me. That's arrogance, that's cockiness. Boldness means I can come into the presence of God as I am knowing that I am fully loved, knowing that I'm fully forgiven, knowing that in the presence of God, he looks at me and says, you're my son. Looks at you and says, you're my daughter. That's what it means to come boldly into the presence of God without fear, without hesitation, without worry, without any anxiety. This is the beauty of what faith in Christ has done for us is we can live and operate and experience the presence of God. you ever been around someone who's been around God? Have you ever been around someone who's experienced and is living in the presence of God? I think if you have, you would say, there's just something different about that person. The way they walk, the way they carry themselves, uh, the way they just, they, there's just something different about a person who's been around God. There's something different about a person who's literally just been in the presence of God. Uh, this is an Old Testament story uh, of a man named Moses. Moses was a prophet and a priest and just a, a leader of the nation of Israel, and he was one who got to experience being in the presence of God. And here's a story towards the end of his life about what happened to him when he got in the presence of God. It says in Exodus 34. uh, This is referring to Moses. Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. And when Moses came down Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, that's the the 10 commandments, he wasn't aware... And I love this. He, he didn't know. He had no idea. He wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow on his face. I love that he, he didn't know. He didn't know that something was happening to him when he was in the presence of God until he came down and people were like, dude, you look different. There's a shine. There's a glow to you there's a radiance coming from you. Now here's the question, what did Moses do? Because we're a community largely of doers. Well, what do we need to do in order to get that glow, that shine, that radiance? Do you know what he did? He showed up. He showed up. He just showed up to where God invited him to be, where his presence was. He just showed up, and because of he was in the presence of God, his presence changed. I wrote it down in my journal like this. Being in his presence, meaning God, being in his presence will change my presence, which will give those around me a glimpse of how amazing being in his presence actually is. See, I don't need to do something in order to make myself somehow appear as one who's been in the presence of God. Just being in the presence of God will change your presence. It's nothing you have to do. It is something that he does. Just being with him, around him, near to him, it changes you so much so that those around you will be encouraged and inspired to say, there's something different about you. What is it? And you can't even possibly come up with a list of things you did to say that you've done in order to be as you are. You can honestly just say, I don't know. I, didn't know, I didn't know that. But I can tell you where I've been. I've been in the presence of God. Um, if we've been given full, unhindered access to God's presence all the time, if, if that's true, and this is what Hebrews chapter 10 is telling us, that we've been given complete access and we can come to God with absolute boldness, not filled with guilt or shame or fear, then why aren't there more people walking around with a radiant glow why aren't there more people and I don't just mean in this room but if this is true and God said I want you to experience encounter my presence at all times not just once in a while all times you've been given access to me then why aren't there more people who are walking around with a radiant glow Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote a great commentary on Hebrews, and he said this, the ordinary Christian is satisfied to live just a little removed from the presence of God. And that phrase really hit me hard. The ordinary Christian is satisfied to live just a little removed from the presence of God. And honestly, when I read that, I was like, gosh, 42 years, Michael, why have you been okay, why have you settled to live a little bit removed from the presence of God? If through faith in Christ you've been given full access, why don't you enjoy full access all day, every day? Why are you okay to settle with a little bit removed? I don't know if this is the best uh, example, it's the only one I could think of. Queen of England. I'd be down with meeting the queen I think that would be pretty cool. I don't know her, I've got no ties to England, but I think it would be a pretty sweet deal to meet the queen one day. I know that if I was in the queen's presence, that would be a pretty sweet thing. Uh, but if you asked me, would you like to meet the queen and be in her presence one day? I'd be like, sweet, I would love that. How about two days? Eh, okay. Three days, four days, how about a week? How about a month in the presence of the queen? Would you be okay with that? And after a while, I'd be like, well, I don't know, it's getting kind of old. I mean, I've been around her for a while and, you know, it's getting kind of boring. And I'm just not sure, like it was cool the first time I got to be in her presence, but honestly, it's getting kind of old. And think about it, uh, I mean, nothing wrong with my current dress attire, but if I was going to see the queen, I'd probably get dressed up a little bit. Might try to let my hair grow out a little bit, put on a coat and tie, and just, I would do, I would try to be in her presence in an appropriate manner. After a while, I'd probably get sick of dressing up. I'd get sick of feeling like I've got to always act a certain way when I'm in her presence. I've got to be all prim and all proper and all of these things. It would get old real quick. And again, I'm not saying this is the best illustration here, but I wonder if a lot of us view being in the presence of God very similarly uh, to being in the presence of the queen. It gets old real quick. I'd I'd get kind of like, maybe there's something different. Maybe I'm missing out by being in his presence. I'm somehow missing out. Or we'd have this idea of, gosh, being in his presence, I got to be at like my A game all the time. I got to be like oozing prayer and scripture and service and generosity out my everywhere. Like, it would get exhausting if I'm always in God's presence feeling like I have to be doing certain things or acting a certain way. And what God says to you, what he says to me, Michael, my presence is life-giving. My presence actually changes your presence. Uh, King David uh, wrote, not all of them, but wrote a lot of the Psalms, but he says this in Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I just picked one psalm, but there are so many psalms that King David specifically writes about what it was like to be in the presence of God. And I picked this one in particular because that phrase, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. See, being in the presence of God, living in in the presence of God all the time, no matter where you are, that's not a boring thing. That is a life-giving, joy-filled thing. So a good question, is there something in your life that actually is life-giving? Is there something in your life that you can say, gosh, this brings so much deep, meaningful satisfaction and joy? Could you ever say of, say, Facebook after an hour of perusing and looking at everyone's post and should I like that, should I not like that? If I like that, then they're going to think something that I don't want them. So after an hour of being on Facebook, can you say, my goodness, I found life. I, I have joy that was not there. Can you, whatever your favorite show might be, and by the way, I'm not knocking social media, I'm not knocking a, a, a show, but have you ever finished a show And you're just like, my life is full. My life is full. I have never experienced more satisfaction, more joy than I feel right now because of that episode. It has literally changed me. Well, no, a lot of these things honestly serve as incredible distraction from the very thing that our souls are hungry for. And by the way, this is a human thing. This is not just a Christian thing, this is not a non-Christian thing, this is a human thing because one of the things that all of us have to wrestle with, whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, is where do you go? All of us know what it's like to be filled with shame, or anxiety, or fear, or hurt, or disappointment, or discouragement, or worry, or all of these things. So where do we go to not be filled with those things anymore? to actually be filled with joy, to be filled with life, to be filled with meaning, to be filled with purpose. And I'm not trying to overstate or oversimplify, but what the author of Hebrews wants to know, what even King David is telling us, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. You and I will not get bored with being in his presence and living in his presence and walking in his presence. Why? Because there is life, there is absolute joy. I love the picture of Moses. He didn't do something to have something in him change. Being around God, being with God, being in the presence of God, it changed him in a way that he didn't even know. And the invitation because of faith in Christ has given us is that we have full access to be in the presence of God. And that changes everything. I wanna be clear, I'm not saying that because you're in the presence of God, living that and embracing that, being encountered by that, that somehow makes your life easier. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that there's no storms or trials or disappointments or heartaches, but what I am saying is walking and living and being in the presence of God, it will change those moments. It changes every moment. It changes every hurtful or disappointing moment. It changes every storm and trial that I'm walking through these things Not alone, I'm walking through these things experiencing and encounter the absolute, complete presence of God. So if it's true that you can have full access to enjoy the life-giving and joy-filling presence of God, no matter where you are, at all times and all places, completely unhindered, then how can you and I grow as ones who don't settle for Living a little bit removed. Because it would be such a shame to say, you know what, I can have access to God, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out in the back. I don't want to get too near. I don't want to get too close. I'm content to just say, I'm going to live my life a little removed from the presence of God. I don't want that for me. And I know I've gone down that road. I don't want that for any one of you. I would love for your story, for your testimony. To say you know what gosh what's different about you presence of god well what are you doing i show up no tell me what you're doing literally i'm embracing encountering enjoying just the presence of god in my life what does that even mean i don't know but i'm learning i'm learning how to embrace every moment as the presence of god is there with me and i'm growing in my understanding of the presence. So how can we grow from not being a little bit removed to being men and women very similar to Moses, that being in his presence changes our presence? How can we grow in this? And I will not give you a list of things to do. I will not tell you, well, if you do this, if you do this, and you do this. Because my fear, if I did that, you might actually do it. And your relationship would be with, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, And in your mind, it's got to equal this. The invitation is, because of Christ, you've been given full, unhindered access to the presence of God. So how can we grow together as one's not settling to live a little bit removed? I'm just going to give you one thing. Um, One thing, and this is not a to-do thing. This is a be thing. Uh, I wrote it down like this. We practice his presence together. We not me, not you, not I, we practice his presence together. Being in the presence of God is not so much a me thing as it is a we thing. We're individualistic. That's just kind of the world we live in. It's, it's about me. It's about I. It's about what I want, when I want. So I get that. But what scripture is telling us is Being in the presence of God is not a me thing. It is a collective, corporate, communal we thing. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Let us I'm going to exaggerate a few words to see if you can pick up on it. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. As I read those three verses, what scripture just screams to me is, Michael, you can't do it alone. There is an us to this. There's not a me, there's not an I, there is an us. Yes, I have a relationship with God, but if I try to live my relationship with God in isolation by myself, I'm gonna miss it. I will miss encountering experience the presence that God wants to give, not just to me, but to the we. Listen to these words again. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Let us go right into the presence of God. Let us hold tightly. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Let us not neglect meeting together. Let us encourage one another. So this is where it would be really easy to put in a plug and say, this is why you should go to church every Sunday. This is why you should be in a community group. This is why you should come to midweek prayer. It clearly says we should not stop meeting together. And there is truth in that. There is truth in that. But honestly, rather than telling you this is, you need to do this, you need to go to church, you need to be praying, you need to be in a community group. I wanted to, I honestly just felt compelled to ask you this question here's the question. Is there anything? You, you kind of get the idea of the us factor, the we factor. Not me, not I, but we, us. Is there anything that prevents you from centering your life around a community that would encourage you towards living life in the presence of God? Can you think of anything that would prevent you from centering your life around community that would encourage you towards living in the presence of God? And to be clear, just how I'm uh, defining, uh, centering your life, what I mean is that we're all looking for balance. We, when you ask people generally, how are you doing? Nine times out of 10, I'm busy. Well, why are you so busy? Well, I've got like 10 things I'm trying to juggle. I've got just work, I've got relationships, I've got family, I've got marriage, I've got You know I've got all of these different things and it's just like this guy who's trying to juggle all of these different things and church community becomes just one of the things that we're trying to juggle in the midst of an already chaotic, very busy life. Church was never a ball that was meant to be juggled by you. Church community, and I'm not just, just so we're clear, I'm not talking about Sunday. I'm talking about the community of men and women who have said, I've placed my faith in Christ which means we're a community of men and women that get to encounter and experience the presence of God. That was not intended by God just to say, hey, if you've got eight things going on, just throw the church in the nine and as best as you can, try to work that into a very busy, chaotic, hectic life. Rather, God uses church, Christian community, to actually help us encounter his presence in every other thing that we do not one thing that we juggle but it's the center christ is the center of our lives if you're a christian but he's given us the church as the center that helps make sense of every other helps make sense of our marriage help make sense of dating and relationships and career decisions choices all of these things not one more thing to juggle but one more one thing that helps understand all the other things Um, In a great book, Total Church, uh, the authors, Tim Chester, Steve Timmis, said this, church is not another ball for me to juggle, but that which defines who I am and gives Christ-like shape to my life. Meaning we need each other to help each other encounter and experience the presence of God in my home, with my kids, with my wife, in a dating relationship, and career choices, and just my neighbor, like... We need one another to help us understand the presence of God in these other areas of life. So let me ask the question again. Is there anything that prevents you or holds you back from centering your life around a community of people that you'd be able to encourage towards the presence of God and be encouraged by towards you experiencing the presence of God? What would hold you back? What would hold you back from saying, I wanna be used by God to help someone else encounter and experience the presence of God. What would hold you back from allowing someone else to come alongside you so that you would not be satisfied to live a little bit removed, but to actually say, I wanna help you experience, encounter the full unhindered access to God that he has has given. Now, we might have different answers uh, to that question of is there anything that would hinder or hold us back but I think for me personally, uh, I would give you two things that I've seen. Number one would just be past pain. Is that if you've been in the church, uh, whether this church, another church, whether you grew up in a, a Catholic church or a Protestant church, or there's past pain. That your past pain prevents you or holds you back from encouraging other people towards the presence of God and allowing other people to encourage you towards living in the presence of God. And it's really heartbreaking to me when I meet people who have just been so deeply wounded and hurt because someone else was just sinful or selfish or stupid. And that has led them or caused them to feel like I'm just, I'm okay to live a little bit removed. Because if growing in his presence and understanding and and awareness of God's presence means I do that together, I'm actually okay to live a little bit removed, because uh, when I was engaged, when I was in community before, I got, I got really jaded, I got really hurt, and I know this might not mean much coming from me because you might not know me. But I'm really sorry if that's your story, and I can only tell you that it's not what God has for you. God's God's plan for you is not to live on the sidelines, little living a little bit removed from his presence i wrote it down uh, like this in my journal i refuse to allow someone else's sinfulness selfishness or stupidity prevent me from being used by god to help someone else practice living in the presence of god that's not to, meant to belittle anyone's hurt or pain or disappointment or frustration or disenchantment with community but that is to say, God's invitation to you, to the us, to the we, to all of us, is you get to you use, be used by God to help someone else experience his presence. And when you're struggling, and you will, God's gift to you is community that can come alongside you to encourage you. And so if you have been hurt, uh, I can only encourage you towards hope and healing is found in the context of community, not in isolation there won't be healing for any past wounds or hurts or disappointments or frustrations or any of those things just a little removed in isolation my invitation to you would be to engage not just engage community but engage God once again in a fresh way that says God I don't even know what it means to live and operate in full unhindered presence but I want to learn and I want to grow and if there's some men and women in my life that could encourage me towards that, and if there's some men and women in my life that I could encourage, encourage towards that, then I want to re-engage. That would be my invitation to all of us. Can you imagine if we treated Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, 24, and 25 as not a suggestion from God, but a command from God? Can you imagine what the church and I'm meaning this church in particular, what this community would look like if we all said, hey, that's not a good idea and that's not even a suggestion or that's not God's opinion. This is God's command. Let us encourage one another. Let us motivate one another. Let us love and serve and help one another encounter and experience the very presence of God. Can you imagine what this community would look like if all of us, not one of us or two of us or 10 of us, but what if all of us The hundreds of us said, that ain't no joke. It's not a suggestion. It is a command from God that he has called us that we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place, that we go right into the presence of God. The us, we hold tightly. The us, we motivate one another. The us, not neglecting meeting together. So I just, God's invitation to you is to encounter and to experience his presence afresh not because of what you do, but because of what Christ has done and your faith in him. But the way that God has designed us is that not to do it alone, but to do it together.